Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another fabulous edition of Matt and Dennis, the Matt and Dennis podcast. My name is Matt Scarano, broadcasting from beautiful central Michigan. I'm joined as always uh, by my dear friend of many, many years, Mr. Dennis Vinci. Dennis, how are you tonight? What's up, baby cakes? It has been many, many years, hasn't it? Now that you are thinking about it we've been out of high school for 10 years throw on another three to four we graduated um and i mean after years this year after we announce this there'll be no uh imagination left for our listeners um so we graduated high school in 2010 which would mean we met each other in 2006 so we've known each other for nearly 15 years now Man, time flies when you're having fun, they say. Time flies when you are in Miss Lotta's uh, algebra class. Shout out. <laughs> Hopefully she's listening. I'm uh, sure yeah. she's an avid listener. Yeah. She's a big fan of the twice a week platform, even though we've done it for two weeks and one of the weeks we didn't do it. That was probably, she probably wasn't a listener uh, as of a couple weeks ago. And then once we announced we were going to the two week format or the, or the two show week format, that's when she was like, you know what? All right, they got me now. I'm, I'm real. Yeah, I'm it's real. too good to pass up. You're telling me I get to listen to Matt and Dennis twice in a week now? Come on, I'm going to listen. I'm in. I'm in. I talked so much smack on these guys, and now that now that they have this, I'm, I'm in. Count, count me in. <laughs> Dennis. Algebra, put it on hold. I'm listening to the Matt and Dennis podcast. Dennis, we have, we have a lot to get to. Uh, our last uh, episode release, I believe, was... Very late Thursday night, if not early uh, Friday morning, depending on who you are and where you were listening from, and uh, which method uh, you were listening from. By the way, we are on uh, Apple iTunes, and we are on Spotify, and we're also on, uh, you can just click the stream on, on Twitter and Facebook. But um, we have uh, some, some good news to report, and by that I mean we have no good news to report. And uh, mainly bad news to report if you are like uh, Dennis and myself in terms of the teams you, you root for. Um, but before we get to kind of the, uh, the grit of that conversation, there was uh, an NBA playoff that completed um, in the quote unquote bubble down there at the Walt Disney World Resort um, in Orlando, Florida, a place that obviously I've mentioned many a time that I'm very familiar with before the final started. And I, I texted Dennis this off the air. Um, I, I, I said a expletive, I sent an expletive in Dennis's direction. Um, Dennis was very uh, confident that the Lakers were going to win the final in five games. And I had the heat winning in six or excuse me, the Lakers winning in six. And sure enough, uh, the Lakers did just that. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. Congratulations to uh, King James for his fourth NBA final with three different teams. Uh, congratulations to Wildwood Crest resident and Lakers head coach Frank Vogel, ex-Orlando Magic uh, head coach. Congratulations to, and I mean this with uh, no actual passion behind this at all, to Dwight Howard for his first NBA uh, championship. Uh, congratulations to Quinn Cook for being left behind at the uh, Disney World Resort while the team went on to God knows which Orlando bar to drink and celebrate. 
Um, yeah, it's all the congratulations I have. That's uh, it. Uh, that's, I mean, for me personally, Dennis, I had, I had the heat in six and I remember, and I'll, I'll let you take it away here on your opinions on how the final played itself out. But when we predicted, as I just said, you had the Lakers in five, I had them in six and you said, um, and it was literally the last sentence of one of our most recent episodes. It was last Thursday. Said the, the game that the heat won was because Jimmy Butler scored 40 points and that would not happen again. Sure enough, he didn't score 40 points, but he came very close. And uh, the Heat won another one, so one in six games. We both said the Lakers. But um, LOL to you. Um, another Matt and Dennis prediction that I was right and you were wrong. Uh, take the floor. Yeah, first off, uh, I can't believe in this day and age and in these trying times of 2020, you would send a message my way with that vulgar talk. I have taken it up with the proper authorities, gone through the certain channels that I need to, because if anybody knows me, I'm easily offended. Uh, I'm a very woke human being, so it just stuck in my craw, and I was deeply saddened when you texted me late Saturday or Friday. Friday. The game was Friday. And Jimmy Butler did, yet again, 30-plus point triple-double. I said that would not happen again. I can't believe the Lakers allowed it to happen again. I think they just wanted to win it on a Sunday night and maybe try to steal some attention away from what was an incredible Sunday night football game. Uh, they didn't, because I don't know if you saw the numbers. The uh, viewership of the NBA Finals was about 5.5 million people. The Seattle-Minnesota game. Yes, folks, Seattle-Minnesota, no fans in the crowd, just over 10 million people tuned in to watch the game. So you're not stealing any attention away from the NFL. Uh, but, yeah, Matt, hats off to you for – correctly predicting a Laker win in six. You're just lucky that Jimmy Butler came to play uh, on a just injury riddled heat team. Uh, hats off Not to LeBron lucky. for continuing to cement his legacy. Not lucky. Yeah. I predicted Jimmy Butler had another game like that in him. I mean, I, whatever. Uh, I did see an interesting stat though, that in the last 15 years, uh, LeBron James has scored like 30,000 points. He's got a bunch of NBA Finals wins, bunch of Finals MVPs, scoring titles, uh, and Michael Jordan has none in the last 15 years. So, I mean, we all watched the last dance and thought we jumped ship our, our generation down to the Michael Jordan boat. I don't know. Tables might have turned here. I think LBJ making a case for best all time. Just saying. Just saying. Last 15 years. LBJ, kind of dominant. LBJ. Yeah, LeBron James. That's his nickname. I'm not just starting that. Not like I started the hashtag tank for Trevor, which has now blown up all over we'll the get, hey, 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 don't get ahead of yourself. We have plenty of show here. We'll get to that. I'm just saying that's one thing in recent times that I have created. I did not create the LBJ thing. I'm pretty sure he puts it on his sneakers. They probably make some T-shirts that are sell or sold at Champs Sporting Goods in your local mall wherever it might be. Uh, people still go to those stores. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, yes. I don't know. I didn't, Matt, I didn't watch a second of the NBA finals. I may have tuned in here or there for some Western conference playoff matchups where it might've been late in the night and just turning on ESPN to go to bed or TNT a couple of last moments in the fourth quarter or something. I didn't watch any of it. I couldn't care less. 
uh, I don't know. Just, well, I mean, I, I don't. Want... I don't know if it was the bubble. I don't. I, I'm not a big NBA guy anyway. But I just, I was not intrigued to watch any of the playoffs whatsoever. And people that did watch them said that they were thoroughly entertained. With the, they said the game was played well. They said they had intense matchups. I mean, look, we saw a Heat team that no one expected to go as far as they did, rattle off a bunch of wins in a row and then get into the playoffs and knock off the number one seed of the Bucks. And yeah, though you had interesting storylines the whole time. But at the end of the day, I just didn't care. Well, so congratulations to the Lakers. Uh, one big takeaway for me, their 17th title all time. They've now tied the Boston Celtics, so suck at Boston. That's now one thing that you don't have. You're now tied with L.A., and as long as LeBron James is still there, they might get a couple more. So, yeah, suck it. That's all I have to say. Well, here, I will add a few, a few uh, comments to that. One, I would say, and we've mentioned this many times in the past, especially when um, the last dance was coming out, which considering how bad uh, the teams are that you and I root for, I would love Last Dance 2. Um, so maybe you could put that on Sunday night prime time. So I don't have to. What do you want, Jordan's uh, final moments with the Wizards? I don't know. Just like 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 the footage that we, like, the footage that wasn't shown. Or Rodman's like, real footage in Vegas? I'd like to see that. Yeah, yes, yes. I would watch an entire, just like a, a mini series of just videos of somebody. Carmen. Somebody had, like, some Sony handhelds right. back in the day recording that stuff. Like, like they got to have some developed uh, photography or, or photos of Carmen Electra and Dennis Rodman hanging out at Mandalay Bay in Vegas or something. And give me that instead of watching it. But anyways, um, we always, you, you mentioned how you didn't give a crap about the NBA finals. I didn't either. I wasn't tuned in staring at the TV for hours on end like I was the Yankees playoffs. And obviously we'll get to that in a few minutes. But um, this is what we always said. And because of uh, coronavirus and NHL took off months and then NHL went into a bubble. MLB did a, a, a more than their, – their season was shortened by more than a half of the season. Major League Baseball was more so like a, a third of the season. NBA, same thing, delayed for how many months – and then goes into a bubble scenario, no fans, no home court, no home field advantage. So, and, and you and I talked about episodes on end. Even if the season finishes, when a team wins four or five months after the, the final in that respective league was supposed to be over, and then the next season's going to start in a month and a half, is there the same, the same passion, the same energy, the same type of bragging rights behind that final 10 years down the road when they look at that respective team's history? Is there an asterisk? Is there, like, if, if your team wins during the age of COVID after the season was delayed for three, four years? Like, say, for example, say the Tampa Bay Lightning, say the Los Angeles Lakers don't win again for 10 more years, which I don't think will happen. I think both of them are going to win in their respective sports in that time period again. Like just, next year? Probably. <laughs> but say, for example, the Tampa Bay Lightning didn't win for 10 more years. Or say the Los Angeles Lakers didn't win for 10 more years. Say Anthony Davis goes off elsewhere, which is a strong possibility. 
will fans look back? Say Major League Baseball right now. You have the Houston Astros, the Tampa Bay Rays, who are up 2-0 in the series right now. You have the Dodgers, who are probably, out of all the teams left, the favorite. When all these teams win their respective finals, whether it's next year or 10 years down the road, in one way or another, we're going to look at this and be like, oh, that was the COVID year. That was the year where everything shut down for X amount of months. That's where there wasn't a home field advantage. So, I mean, I can't blame you for not being excited about the NBA finals. I'm not a big NBA fan myself, even when this isn't going on. But it's, it's, it's weird seeing, and I'm, I'm curious, I mean, watching the celebrations of, of LeBron and, and Anthony Davis and Frank Vogel, LeBron calling his mom while smoking a cigar, I'm curious if when they're on the also court. Also on the court, too. Like, what do they – at least they give the guy an ashtray. I mean, he's going to start ashing on the court. It's tough, right. it's tough to get up. What if it seeps into the cracks? Someone at Disney is going to have to clean that up. But my point being, and if, if they were genuine, they, or if they were not genuine, they did a good job of pretending. But when they're on the court, does it mean the same as if – or if they were at the American Airlines Arena in downtown Miami, or if they were at the Staples Center in downtown LA celebrating, did it mean the same months after when the Lakers probably still would have won the NBA Finals? And that's a conversation yeah. I've had on the show many, many times, especially in the spring. Yeah, it's, you know, also you brought up the celebrating, it took J.R. Smith all of five seconds to remove his shirt. Your shirt off. Celebrating. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, hats off to him. Gets to celebrate another title, courtesy of LeBron James. But, uh, yeah, I, I think everything's an asterisk. I think we'll even, depending on what we look like with football, when it comes to college, it's a little different come bowl season and stuff. But the NFL playoffs, what this country looks like in January, if there aren't people in the stands, if we don't have those – same hometown environments. I mean, Chris Collinsworth said it multiple times last night in the Seattle game. That place would have been electric down the stretch to get that fourth down stop where the Vikings were trying to steal the game. And then Russell Wilson does his thing, balls out, drives 90-something yards down the field. DK Metcalf, the two or three huge catches. That place would have been going bonkers. And it would have been a huge advantage for Seattle, regardless Seattle's the better team. So they were able to pull it off anyway, but it's those moments. It's those moments of would that game have even been in that spot on a Sunday night with the, their 12th man that they have in their stands, but instead there's nobody there. So I, I think it's an asterisk all around for every sport. I really do. Uh, even in baseball, they're playing in neutral locations. Like they're, they're just trying to bubble as much as they can for the postseason. So God forbid we don't have any, instances like we had when the seasons first kicked off and maybe a couple of guys get COVID and then a team gets impacted or you have to delay games. I'm going to start playing this in November. So of course, bubbling is the right thing, but there are fans in the national league game. They're in our, they're in Arlington right now. And there are fans there. Tonight's Dodgers Braves game had fans. Were there really? Yeah. Cause I was tuned in a bit, but I didn't really see any shots of the actual, the stadium. I don't know how many they're allowing, but there are, couple thousand that are supposed to be there again I don't know how many are going because it's I mean maybe there are some Braves fans but it's Braves Dodgers I don't know what the fan base looks like in Arlington 
and how many people are actually traveling for postseason baseball. Well, here, that's but yeah, like, the NLCS and the World Series will have the ability to have fans. Well, that's a good uh, uh, um, opportunity for us to transition. One, you mentioned very briefly, uh, DK Metcalf. That catch should have been a touchdown, in my opinion. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it was incomplete. I don't know if he had the I think possession. Had, I think he had possession clearly over the, the goal line. I was very shocked that that seemed like uh, at least the, the body language of the refs made it seem like it was an easy call to say that that was not a touchdown, which – What was, was interesting to me is that the, the, the ref looking at him from the sideline called touchdown, but the end zone ref at the back of the end zone was the guy waving him off saying it popped out. So right. I don't understand how the pylon judge doesn't see the ball coming out. I understand Metcalf's turning around like the way he's being hit and tackled, but why he makes the signal for touchdown and then the ref comes in from his right side. And that's usually one of – that should have been looking at his back, not seeing the ball I don't, be a jar and then fall out eventually. I don't pretend to be a, a NFL rule book guru. Like I'm not Mike Prayer or Dan uh, – what's his fate? Blandino. So I don't, don't forget pre- about Gene Steratour. Gene Steratour, excuse me. I think Gene Steratour was actually the one that – Mandino is oh. Fox as well, though. But I, I think Gene Steratour, uh, my fault, I think he was actually the one that they were going to. Actually, yeah, I don't know who NBC what? uses. I think it was Gene Steratour last night. And okay, because I know Steratour does CBS. Yeah, no, I, I think it was – I think I could be wrong. I, I thought it was him. And, I, and Yeah, I honestly don't I like, know. I feel like goal line – I never really pay attention. And – we're going to talk football, so this, this is the beauty of Matt and Dennis, my favorite part about it, when we just go off on random stuff. There's no plan to this show, people. One of us says something out the side of our mouth, and then it becomes like a half-hour conversation. Anywho, um, no, I, I feel like goal line, stand, or goal line reviews are the, are the easiest or the most simple in most cases because all you need is the hair of the ball – in some type of possession across the goal line, and it's a and and it's that simple. And I feel like goal line reviews are like like ninety percent of of touchdowns that are reviewed would not be first downs if that happened at the first down marker. Sure. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying there? I understand where you're going with this. Yeah. Uh... I just think the touchdown is a little it's a little harder because yes you reach the pylon you don't necessarily need your body you just need that ball to cross the pylon and be in bounds as long as you yourself are not already out of bounds but you need possession in the end zone you need both feet down college you need one you have to have possession if you're falling to the ground like Metcalf was you need to you know have possession through the catch which I guess is the whole process of the catch so I don't know. I understand why they called it incomplete. It just one of those moments where it was just like, oh, this guy said yes. Nope, this guy says no. All right. Well, how long are we going to spend looking at this now? Because if you just call it a touchdown, then you have to review it. Because right. you didn't call it a touchdown, we're under two minutes. Only the booth can look at it. Right. So you're putting yourself possibly in a tricky situation. But then at the same time, if you call it a touchdown, now it's like, well, I don't know if we have enough visual evidence to overturn it and the Vikings get screwed 20 seconds earlier than they would have anyway. So. Yeah, I was, uh, and, and that was uh, the only, the only reason I feel like, I mean, I'm 
I'm typically invested in all the Sunday night and Monday night football games. I feel like we've been deprived of sports for a long time. So I just, I, I like any team that's playing right now. But um, uh, the reason why was my uh, survival. You sure league. about that? My survival. Okay. Most, yeah, except the Jets. Um, my survival league pick was the Patriots this week, and that game got canceled. But Yahoo, excuse me, um, would not let me change my pick. So I had to do a backup pick, and it sounds like Yahoo is just holding my pick until the Patriots eventually play this game, which will be uh, this coming Sunday at 1 o'clock. But anywho, we'll go more into football, unless, Dennis, you have anything to add on that. Uh, no, I thought we were going to trans. Yeah, we're going to transition into baseball, then football. Yes, we're going okay. baseball first, then we'll go back to football. Um, so like I mentioned, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays are in a series with a two nothing lead over the Major League Baseball beloved Houston Astros. Thank the heavens. I actually have a little, I'll, I'll bring this question up to you because in the infamous group chat, but this was outside of that. Right oh, here, let me finish. Let me finish. No, that's what I say. Go ahead. But I, but just so if I forget, you don't yeah. forget. Yeah. I'll remind you. Um, and also over Cardinals, Cowboys next Monday. I'm pretty intrigued by that. Over less so league you have, which uh, now the Yankees are out. I would have to imagine is the favorite to win the world series and the Los Angeles Dodgers taking on the uh, Atlanta Braves. We, uh, in our episode the Thursday Braves. in the Friday morning, uh, we told you our next episode would either be uh, previewing the Yankees-Astros series or we would be uh, wrapping up uh, the end of the season that was not. And unfortunately for us, that is the case. Yankees lose to the Rays in a decisive game five by a score of two to one. And then the Tampa Bay Rays went on to uh, play Houston. Dennis, I'll give you my initial thoughts here. Um the Yankees came out the gate. We, we did a ser- We did an episode um, a couple games into that series. We talked about how great the Yankees looked pitching-wise, offensively, out the gate. Then we talked about the collapse offensively, pitching-wise, coaching-wise on Aaron Boone's part, bullpen especially. And uh, then we didn't really get to get past that. Um, and that was kind of the theme of the Yankees and Rays and games uh, – Games two and three. Um, after that, uh, we were recording during uh, game four, where the Yankees uh, won, I believe it was 5-1, um, between a fantastic performance by the bullpen. Um, and then what a thought. And yeah. And then it went into game five that the Yankees, Yankees fans, Yankees players, I would assume – were in the exact position they'd want to be at. I was just going to – what was your confidence level? Because we didn't really talk. It wasn't – we, we had, the, obviously, texting during the game and stuff like that, but the, I was uber confident. Just yeah. the, my level of confidence with Garrett Cole going out, I thought the way the bullpen looked in game four, the bats showed up to a degree. Glaber's home run was massive. I felt good. I felt that another close – hard-fought game could be won by the Yankees. And, and it was uh, – sorry, I'm just watching now the Chargers got a touch on this Monday night game is actually turning out to be pretty good. Um, no, I, I, 
for every Yankee fan, for every player, I'm, and again, I'm assuming for the coaching staff, you have Garrett Cole, your ace, starting. You were in every you were you were a, you were on the verge of elimination against a team that has, to put it politely, owned you in every in every way you can be owned in Major League Baseball: pitching, coaching, strategy, uh, offense, defense. They have owned the Yankees in every respect as a division rival of the last few years. And, but you had Garrett Cole. You had this guy that you, you paid an astronomical amount of money. This is why you paid him to be there. And we've said that. We said that for game one against Cleveland. We said that for game one against Tampa. We said that for this decisive game five against Tampa uh, as well. This was who you wanted there. He is going to do the job because you paid him this money. He's an ace. He's arguably the best pitcher in baseball. And the bats shouldn't have to do much, but they have to show up. And the thing was, Garrett Cole, game one in Cleveland, game one against Tampa, game five against Tampa, did everything the Yankees and Yankees fans could have asked of him and more. And as every series of recent memory of the last 10 years of New York Yankees playoff baseball, what happened? The bats fell dormant when they needed them the most. That was it. Garrett Cole, I, I could not have asked for anything more from Garrett Cole. So now that Yankee baseball is done for the year, if there has to be a bright spot for us, which don't get me wrong, as PO'd as I am, as we all should be, there are a few bright spots and Garrett Cole did everything and more that we could have asked him to do. It was the bats fell asleep when they needed to the most or when they needed to wake up. And like, I, I felt good when, when Aaron judge hit that solo home run, I was like, okay, this is going to motivate us. This is going to get the Yankees going. This is going to throw Tampa off their game plan a little bit. Now they're playing from behind and with the one, nothing lead, I was like, all right, we can get another one. If we can make it 2 nothing. if someone else could just hit a solo home run. But by the end of the game, it came to either we're striking out or we're hitting a solo home run, and that's it. And you're not beating the Tampa Bay Rays that way, and you're not moving on in, in the American League playoffs that way. You're not going to move on to the ALCS and beat the Astros that way if you're either striking out or hitting a solo home run. So personally, I want to thank Garrett Cole for giving us a shot because between the Tampa series and the Cleveland series, he did everything the Yankees paid him to do, and the Bats couldn't, couldn't do it for him. I agree. Look, and Cole, Cole was masterful in the wild card series against Cleveland in that one game. And then he did – his stuff was worse in each game. We acknowledged that it was Monday night in game one against the Rays. It, it, he had a great stuff. It wasn't his all-time best performance. He could have been better at times. He had some rough innings. It got a little worse on, in the Friday night game in game five, but he's pitching on three days rest. So give him the benefit of the doubt. He had multiple times, though, where he would get in trouble in the innings, and then he would still light up the radar gun at 100 miles an hour. The dude came to play, and that was awesome to see from a Yankee starter to kind of have that fire to kind of give you that jolt while you're watching the game but again, like you said, the offense, it just – look, and you want bright spots? Yeah, it's, it's Garrett Cole. 
he's absolutely our future. If we, I mean, if we're going to win a World Series, it will be – he will at least be part of the small group that carries the Yankees on the Yankees on their shoulders. He will be in that group, if not by himself. I don't know if a starter can really do it. We saw Madison Bumgarner do it. The otherworldly in that one year for the Giants. If a starter can have that stuff again through the duration of the playoffs, maybe. Maybe it's different in non-COVID years when the series are different and you're not in a wild card game and then you're running a five-game series, 7-7. Seven, seven. But, I, I mean, Luke Voigt, I think he's a positive. I think he showed this year that he's not a fluke. Lost a bunch of weight in the offseason. Led Major League Baseball in home runs. But he's really just a home run hitter. He's not going to bat 300. And at time, he hit the one home run in game four. But all he is is a home run. He struggled too. So it was, I mean, it might have been Glaber. At least Glaber showed that I'm not going to suck for six, seven months. I'm going to pull it together when it matters most. Because I thought he had a really nice postseason. Uh, so maybe there's a bright spot there. Maybe he gets some fans back in the crowd and he doesn't have to hype himself up, which clearly he can't do. He maybe needs the atmosphere that baseball provides with fans. I Because he was one of the guys in the beginning of the season that talked about it. It's going to be different. It's going to be weird amping up for the season. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's what affected him. But, yeah, just the, the bullpen we were texting. Uh, they showed out of, you know, warming up, and you texted me. Oh, no. Like, it's just we shouldn't have – that problem, you shouldn't have that thought. And credit to the bullpen, though. Credit to the bullpen. Because they went toe-for-toe toe with the Rays, who I think have the best pitching staff. And credit, I mean, look, we're going to dump on the Yankees. We're going to credit the Yankees. Kevin Cash, man, the dude managed an incredible game. He's by far one of the best managers in baseball right now. I, what he did with the pitching staff, uh, he would make decision after decision, as Matt is – Flipping me off while picking his nose, scratching his eye. I don't know. Look, this, you got to give credit where credit is due. This is more directed towards Kevin Cash because I hate him and all the it, – it's more so the, the midseason antics that I don't appreciate of Kevin Cash. I 100% agree. And I'm not saying that I like the guy or I support the Rays. I like the Rays, although – I'm kind of going to go back on that statement in a little bit when I bring up my question uh, that I posed to some other Yankee fans today and got dumped on immediately. But, <laughs> look, yeah. for what the Rays did, what their pitching staff did, yeah, again, the Yankee bats didn't show up. I think, yes, I want to credit the Rays. I want to credit what they did because every guy that came in, you go one, once through the lineup. I was surprised that Tyler Glass now, even though on two days rest, didn't pitch deeper into the game. But Cash was able to go with his system. One pitcher is going to face one way through the order, and we're going to go from there. And then you get into your middle relievers where now they're going to start maybe, you know, going deeper in innings and facing more guys and ends up working out. But it's just, I don't know, no bats. What? And, again, our, I mean, I don't know if I'm sure you saw the meme, which ended up being my favorite of SpongeBob when he was the quickster. And it was Araldis Chapman. He goes, want to see me give up a game-winning home run? Want to see me do it again? It was just both years. I mean, I chuckled angrily at that meme, but that was funny. It was funny because, yeah, we have had two seasons end the same way in heartbreaking fashion, watching the offenses completely get worse as the series 
Go on. Because you remember what happened last year in the ALCS. The Yankees oh, scored uh-huh. double-digit runs in Houston. The Yankees dominated in Houston. And then they came to New York, and for whatever reason, the bats fell dormant. The Astros pitching took over. Our bullpen didn't do as well. We let the Astros back into it. What happened here? Bats looked really good. All of a sudden, the race series starts. Not looking as good. We've got Garrett Cole. We're off to the races. All of a sudden, the bats fell, fall, fall dormant. And we get lucky and get two big home runs in a game four. If we don't get those home runs, we probably don't win the game. They just come at the right time from Luke Boyd. And then Glaber's at the end, massive, like I said. And now game five, we're going to get a home run from Judge early on. That's all he did, all series. What? He hit a huge home run in game one of the world, in the wild card and a huge home run in game five. That's what, what did. Was the, what was the question that you were – did I miss the question? You said you – No, I never asked. I never asked the question. We can go in there now. So we reference our group chat, and our good buddy Ellis, shout out, is rooting for the Dodgers. He has always been a Dodgers supporter. It's his National League team. There's some reason he owns a Dodgers hat. I don't really know. I don't really care. He must be nice having multiple teams in the same yeah, way. Yeah, he wants the Yankees are done. He likes pulling for the Dodgers – it's fine. I, I don't know. I don't care. But I said that I would like to see the Rays win the World Series. One, I don't want to see the Astros even reach the World Series. So, yeah, I'm pulling for the Rays in this series. Take the lesser of two evils here. Do you want to see the Astros knock off the Rays, who we are now become bitter rivals with over the last year and a half? Or do you want to see the beloved by baseball Houston Astros reached the World Series for a second straight year after avoiding what should have been the horrendous tour that they should have endured in 2020. They got to avoid it all. So, yeah, I'm rooting for the Rays in this series. But I would like to see the Rays win the World Series because what they have run their franchise incredibly over the last couple of years, making moves, bringing guys in, trading away big-time talent all the while – staying competitive in what has been one of the better divisions in baseball the last couple of years. So yeah, I'm rooting for the race. It kind of pains me to say it because they ripped my heart out Friday night and it was not fun. But then I got to just sit back, 30,000 foot view. Hey, let's just watch football now. Okay. Maybe let's not watch football because it's just too depressing. I'm ruined for him. I think what they've done is it's very admirable. You have to, you have to give them credit where credit is due. I'm assuming you're asking my opinion on this, on that question. Yeah. I was immediately dumped on uh, by two diehard Yankee fans. Yeah. Well, here we'll, we'll start from this. You just gave the Rays credit. I do as well. Um, The Rays in this, albeit shortened major league baseball season, show that they are by far above the New York Yankees and the other teams in the, in the American League, the best team in the American League. And, I'm confident, and I'm confident in saying, and I knew you were going to, that was going to be a response. And that's why I'm saying I'm confident in saying that if baseball went 162 games, I mean, obviously Yankees had some significant injuries, I still think the Rays would have won the division in a full season this year. I, I genuinely believe that. I hate to say it, but I genuinely believe that. Um, no, I, I think 
based on our predictions uh, through the season, based on when the Yankees went on that terrible, terribly significant drought, we had fears that they'd even make the playoffs. And, and, and again, it was before the season even started, whether it was 162 games, whether it was 20 games, the Yankees were the favorite. And if they were not, the only team that was going to beat them was going to be the Tampa Bay Rays. And that became evident very quickly that the, Tampa Bay, uh, that the, the only team to beat the Tampa Bay Rays would be the Yankees. Not the only team to beat the Yankees would be the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Rays showed it against the Minnesota Twins. They showed it against the New York Yankees. They showed why they were the best team in the American League. It was not a fluke. It was not uh, them playing an easier schedule. They were the best team in the American League, no doubt about it. To answer your question, no, I will not be rooting for the Tampa Bay Rays to win the World Series. Um, and that is one of the most heartbreaking things about the Yankees losing to them is that as a diehard Yankees fan, I wanted, Ellis wanted, you wanted, I would assume every Yankee fan in the world wanted to play the Astros. Play the Astros. And the chance to beat Altuve, to beat Correa, to beat the, this gang of just cheating. This is a family podcast. I'm not going to go much farther than that. But the chance to, to beat those guys. And the thing that ticks me off the most is that, one, we didn't get it, but two, how close we were. But what are under the bridge, I guess, at this point? The Rays are there. The Rays have a commanding 2 nothing lead on them. The Rays are showing or, – or, or I should say the Astros are showing no reason to think that they can beat the Rays when it's said and done this series. But the Dodgers still look like by far the best team remaining out of all of these. So what I would hope for is probably the Rays to make it to the World Series to lose to the Dodgers or the Braves. Um, I, I hate the – I hate yeah. the Astros more so, but – and I mentioned this uh, uh, between all of us uh, off the air is I said the Red Sox are – the Boston Red Sox are completely irrelevant. We, we did an episode during the, the, the middle of coronavirus when there was not a single sport on TV, and we talked about if we thought the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry was still relevant. I think it is, but right now it's not. The Red Sox are so irrelevant. The Red Sox are an aberration. The Red Sox just may as well not exist in the AL East right now. They are yeah, they're, arguably, they're bad. They are arguably the worst team in the AL East right now. The Rays are the best did team. Did they finish in last? Yeah. They did. Yeah, because the Orioles then they weren't awful. No, I think I think they were like neck and neck for worse than the AL East. But I mean they were bad, but you know. This is the new storyline, that the Rays are the best team in the AL East and the Yankees-Rays are this new rivalry. I don't think it would ever reach the, the heights of the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, one, because... It's the fans. New York, well, one, New York and Tampa aren't in close proximity as you can't drive an hour and a half, two hours and be in... Yeah, you, but it's the fans. There two, are no fans in Tampa. Two, you go to Tampa as someone that's been to multiple Yankee-Rays games at Tropicana Field, there's one, no home field advantage. And two, when the Rays play the Yankees, the Mets, 
the Phillies, the Red Sox, uh, the Nationals. I'm not going to say the Orioles because they have a problem with fans too. But any teams from the northern part of the country, the Northeast, it becomes a home game for those. Uh, I'll give credit to the Rays fans that do show up, but it's there's no home field advantage there. They couldn't even sell out a home game when they made the World Series against the Phillies. So that's a problem for them. Anyway, I'm not going to judge a team's talent or how well they're going to do on their fans, but that's going to be the reason why the Yankees raise rivalry, which is no, a, that's a hundred percent. The reason well, the, I, fans, uh, the fans drive the rivalry. Like the players don't hate each other. Like you could, and then it, some comes, of that can build some of that drama can build. We've seen it, but that was all in the early two thousands. The players don't hate each other. It's the fans that drive the rivalry. Yeah. And then it comes drive the to the crap talking, the, the posts on Twitter, the, People and seeing people at the game, seeing people at the bars, whatever friendships, that's what it is. And the and Rays to, don't have that. And to frankly, to never will. To reference one more time, if I may, our, our episode where you and I went back and forth with the Yankees uh, Red Sox rivalry. I mean, when does that rivalry come back? What, what comes of that? And I, I, I think the Yankees and Rays are both years and years ahead of the Boston Red Sox. And it's, I mean, as a fan, as obviously a diehard Yankees fan and someone that hates the Boston Red Sox with a passion, I'm sure you would say the same. You don't want that team to do well at all. But also at a point you're like, all right, you guys got to pick up the pace here. So these games are. No, yeah, on the contrary. I want the Red Sox to be very good. I want them to be the second best team in baseball while the Yankees are the first yeah. because then those games mean that much more right now. If the Yankees, which they did beat up the Red Sox this year, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yep. Is what it, you know, is, is what it is. Well, um, thankfully we are back on the, and Justin Herbert with a hell of a pass, Dennis. I don't know if you're he looks good tonight. Uh, did you see that pass? Again, I don't know how good the Saints are because they haven't really looked that right great. Right over Lattimore's head. That is a – I think they're going to be at the 32-yard line with eight seconds left, tie game. Also, is Keenan Anywho, Allen hurt uh, or not playing? I don't know. Well, Mike Williams is the star of this show. Good for him, too, because he's been in the league for quite some time. He's never really had a quarterback really looking his way. Not to say that Philip Rivers was a terrible quarterback at all. He was, although he looked exactly like the Philip Rivers we would expect this past what, Sunday. Why is Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert looks like he's going to try one more play here with eight seconds on the 32. They're going to have to get it off quick and throws it right. Yeah, I don't know why they – maybe just a chance to get a couple more. Yeah, I mean – a bad play call either way. But Terrible play call. Um, okay, so we'll um, – We'll move on from that. Uh, Rays two nothing, uh, or, or two game lead on the Houston Astros. And uh, what's what's going on in the the Dodgers? I don't know. They're playing tonight. I mean, this is even how much I've fallen off of baseball since Friday. I didn't even know the ALCS started last night until I rolled over while in bed and got the ESPN update that the Rays took a one zero series lead. I was like, oh, I guess we had game one tonight. Well, Braves I don't know are why they scheduled it that way with the game six of the NBA finals and Sunday night football, but I guess it's because you're in a seven game series with 
no days off, which I also just find baffling. Like, and especially for the Rays. And again, hats off to them because they're up 2-0 now. But they played Friday. Their only day off will be Saturday. And if they don't close it out in four games, they have to play them the next seven straight days. Yep. That's insane. Braves are currently up three. Even Wednesday off or something, you know? Tonight's game one, Braves are up 3-1 with one out in the top of the ninth right now. So Braves may very well take game one. The Braves are up 3-1? Good for them. Yep. That's the only team that's left that I'm really pulling for. I guess we can use this transition into football because I I just feel bad for the fan base of Atlanta. Braves year in and year out have a good baseball team. They let them down in the postseason. Uh, And then obviously, if you're a Braves fan, you're probably a Falcons fan. So... Dennis, not to interrupt, did you just see the field goal? I saw your face, my stream crash, so I had to reload it. So I did not see it. Chargers, literally, it was a doink. We're going to overtime in New Orleans. Yippee. All right, anywho. Um, no, I will not root for the Braves. Uh, and if any, Yankees, if, if any Yankees fans from the 90s, ask Al. I'm sure Al would not appreciate that. But, Who's Al? Uh, your dad. We beat the Braves twice in the 90s. What are you referencing? It was, it was a hardcore rivalry. The late 90s, Yankees-Braves, that was, was a- 25 years ago. Yeah, you don't forget that. But we won. Yeah. Both times. Yeah. The first well, one started a dynasty that, that lasted for a decade. John, John Wetland. The next the one wasn't even fun. It was right, four anyhow. games in and out. See ya. All right. While we're watching football and the Saints and Chargers going overtime, let's move on uh, to a much more cheerful topic. Just kidding. Um, the New York Giants, Dennis, are now officially 0 and 5. Our beloved New York Giants went into Dallas, went into Jerry World, and had a 17 to 3 lead because of a what looked like a fantastic drive set up mainly between Daniel Jones, Darius Slayton, and Devontae Freeman, and then a, a pick six, 17-3, and uh, hopefully he didn't blink because that lead lasted for an entire five minutes. And, uh, I mean, still the Giants had the lead for the majority of this game. The Giants had plenty of opportunities to walk away with it. And the Giants – and I hesitate to say this, but I'll say it anyways. The Giants should have won this game. You don't have to hesitate. You can say it. Dallas Cowboys. And I know, I know where you stand with Tank for Trevor, so I know you probably had a uh, Dallas Cowboys Dak Prescott jersey on. We'll get to that. We'll get to that situation uh, momentarily. It would have been the only Sunday I would have put a Dak jersey on to support him. But um, – I know you don't want any Giants wins at all the re- remainder of the year. Um, it's true. And that is – I don't uh, see the benefit in a win. It's incredibly stupid, and we'll <laughs> have that conversation, I'm sure, a hundred more times. But um, – Only for like 11 weeks? Giants lose to Dallas. Dennis, your, uh, your initial thoughts. Look <laughs> – I was going to say positives and then start out with some good news. Feel free. Devontae Freeman is the number one guy for us. That's cool. 
Maybe we don't have to have a committee in the backfield. Although Wayne Gallman coming in later in the game had some nice runs. I know we're all in agreement. We've always liked Wayne Gallman. I love his running style. He's a little guy that runs like a big guy. But look, I just, I'm going to start here because Joe Judge in his post-game press conferences, press conferences, press conference, said he liked the game plan. He liked the offense that Jason Garrett was running. I don't know how he could say that and not smirk a little bit. Like, no, I was, I was just kidding. It, it wasn't that great. Like, I just, he said the play calling was aggressive. He said they were moving the ball down the field. I, I didn't see that at times. Now, to be fair, there were a lot of times where Daniel Jones has no time to do anything. And to his credit, scrambling around like a chicken with his head cut off and somehow extending the play and then at times either throwing a little dink and dunk making a mistake, hopefully just getting rid of it before he just gets clobbered by Dallas Cowboy lineman. But I don't know. I, I didn't see anywhere near saying that the play calling was aggressive and that it was good. I would to me. I, would, I look at that Dallas Cowboy defense, which, which it's pretty depleted in the secondary. And I thought that they could have been throwing it way more. Dennis, and I could have been taking shots deeper down the field far often than they did. Dennis, I wouldn't, that would have been more aggressive, in my opinion. I, I wouldn't say. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it aggressive, but I would say he did though. He said they looked more right. aggressive. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not saying he didn't say. It. I'm, I'm saying and, I, and and full full transparency for you and for our listeners. I did not watch the entire. I, I don't. I didn't watch a second of the Joe Judge press conference because I don't need to because and we'll go into this, I know what he's going to say um, or what he has said, but I, I wouldn't call my personal way of looking at Jason Garrett's play calling. I wouldn't call it aggressive, but I don't think you can sit here on the show tonight and say that, and, and this is coming from someone that when we hired Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator, I was excited. There were rumors that he was going to be the, signed as the Giants head coach. I did not want that. And I think that was the general consensus between us and Giants fans that no one wanted Jason Garrett as the Giants head coach. But I think when he was signed as offensive coordinator, we were all like, oh, okay, that, that, could, be, that could be good. That, I'm not against that. And I think I've, I've been very disappointed with his creativity um, to this point. I also don't forget that the talent just – doesn't exist in key areas, but this was the first game out of this season, out of Jason Garrett's tenure as Giants offensive coordinator, where no, I didn't think it was aggressive, but I thought it was very creative. I thought it was very creative, and I don't think you can deny that. Okay. I mean, I won't, you know, maybe creativity. I just didn't like him using the word, we looked more aggressive today. And look, I know it's very easy to look at the scoreboard and see a giant team putting up 30 points and in the first half, we had scored 17, which was more points in total than we had scored in any game prior to that. It's very easy to look at the scoreboard and say, all right, there's some positives to take away from here. We'll go look at the scoreboard for every other team, except for that fluke week one against the Rams, where it was more of a defensive battle, who have played the Cowboys. They've all scored 30 points. 
So I, I don't, I don't see why, and this is why I picked the Giants when we did pick them, because I said, look, I think the defense maybe this is the positives we've taken. Maybe the defense is a little further along. It's definitely going to give up points. We had the group chat. People started saying, I don't want to get carried away here, but we look really good. Defense is forcing you know, the pick six, the turnover. The offense is moving the ball with some regularity. Cowboys, again, early on struggles. But no Giant fan at any moment should have been sitting there comfortable. Like, all right, sure, the Cowboys are going to score some points. They're too good on offense not to. But we should win this game, and we shouldn't have to worry about it. Absolutely not. I knew from the get-go, 17-3, that Dallas will have the lead at some point. I was going to text, you watch by the two-minute warning in the second quarter, the Cowboys will have the lead. They had the lead by the two-minute warning in the second quarter. So, look, I just – the one thing I think, too, that irked me more of what Joe Judge said, and I didn't watch the whole press conference. It was literally just the two-minute video that their Instagram account put up. And it was the final question that was asked to him said, what's the mood of the locker room right now? What are, what's the mood of the guys that had a 17 to three lead that had a three point lead late and allowed Dallas to drive down the field and eventually put up points that would secure a win. And he answered it fairly honestly saying, of course, they're disappointed. They want to come away with the win, but we got a lot of guys here who are hungry. A lot of guys who are going to get right back to work on Tuesday and we're going to prepare for another division opponent. Great, Joe. Great. Your football team is 0-5. Your football team led 17-3. Would then give up 30 points after holding a two-touchdown lead. <laughs> the best player on the field was Graham Gano. Like, he was, he was spot on. He was perfect. If it wasn't for him, he misses a couple of kicks, which he very well could have because he had two 50-plus kicks. Could have. Giants are all of a sudden at, at times three. three. That's nine points right there. So there could have been multiple occasions where the Giants could have found themselves down two scores, and the game could have gotten out of hand. And then, of course, which we'll bring up, and, again, thoughts and prayers, and he had successful surgery, Dak Prescott, if he doesn't leave the game, could it have gotten worse? Because Andy Dalton is no Dak Prescott. I love the Red Rifle, but look, Dallas is in trouble going forward now because they should have lost this football game, and now, unfortunately, they lose their star quarterback, however you want to view the word star. He's a star in the NFL. He's a star yeah. in the NFL. People know who he is. He so has Chunky Campbell's suit commercials. They're aware. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll try to – and there's still a lot more to unpack here, and I'll – excuse me, I'll try to run through this um, quickly. The Dak injury, awful. Um, and I watched the play happen in real time. I watched, I watched him run the ball, and he went down, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I didn't see him down. I didn't see him injured. I didn't see him slow to get up or anything. And then uh, I didn't. You didn't realize. notice that his foot no. was on backwards when no. he slid down. No, I, I did not. When when he went down, I did not pay any attention to to him going down or anything. I I did not. And apparently, and I only know this because of social media, that Tony Romo, who was commentating with Jim Nance, 
apparently was like, oh, you, yeah. just, gotta, you just gotta hope it's just a cramp. <laughs> and uh, which led to a bun- plenty of, a plethora of memes. Um, and, and I didn't realize it until like maybe 20 seconds later and MB- or NBC, CBS cuts to it and his ankle is like his bones popping out of his ankle and I'm like, oh, nope, don't want to watch that anymore. First then, off, also Dak's first, his first reaction was to try and pop it back in. Disgusting. <laughs> and then I start seeing the replay. Then they start showing the replay, and I'm like, nope, 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 not watching that. Um, and you can see him like, like crying, and and Dak. Obviously, we don't wish injury on anyone, and and. Trust me, I I hate all of the rivals of my teams, but Dak Prescott's always been someone that has handled himself very classy and always been a good competitor. So obviously, from Matt and Dennis, we wish him the best. But like you also said, Andy Dalton, I would give Andy Dalton uh, uh, more credit than I think you would. He's been to the playoffs. He's been a starting NFL quarterback. I'm not saying he's not bad. Not saying the Cowboys can't win games with him, and he still has the I'm weapons to work with. I'm, I'm just saying he's not Dak Prescott. But I'm saying the Cowboys could be in a much worse situation. I might, I, I still think not by much, but I still think the Dallas Cowboys are a better team than probably the team that'd be behind them in the Philadelphia Eagles. I agree. Um, I jumped off their bandwagon last week, but they're still the best team in the NFC East. Your friend Ellis did not think so. So, but me and Ellis tend to never agree on anything in the sports world uh that having been said um moving on um again Devonte freeman fantastic performance and, and we could talk about how bad the dallas defense has been but the giants offense showed up and the giants defense didn't show up and i think at this point we know like what are we expecting out of the giants nothing so i think when we have a, a chance to win when we have a chance to win against a divisional rival if the Giants beat Dallas on Sunday, the Giants would have very well been a sliver away from being first place in the NFC. Yeah, as sad as it is to think, we'd be right in the thick of it. The winner of the NFC. for a division title at the, one and four. The team from the NFC East that goes to the playoffs is going to go to the playoffs at four wins this year, and which is an, an insane thought. And But, no, I, I think Devontae Freeman looked great for, for his age and, and – where his his career has been lately, like seeing a running game from the Giants was nice. Seeing Wayne Gallman, Deion Lewis uh, got some attention as well. Uh, Darius Slayton had one of his best, if not his best game as a New York Giant, uh, a fantastic. And he got his targets, which I was happy to see. Daniel Jones was looking his way. He needs to do that more. There's a guy that wears 8-8, and his last name's Ingram. He barely had any targets. I don't know if they just call Hike, and he either stands at the line of scrimmage and doesn't block like the other offensive linemen, or maybe he just runs out and he just, like, yells to the Cowboys defense, like, hey, hey, don't worry. They're not going to give me the ball. I'm just here as a decoy. Uh, no, I don't, you know, look at my gloves. They're not even, uh, they're not even tied up. You know, don't, don't worry about me. Well, Dennis – if I could, if I could interrupt your thought there for a second, let's talk about who you just mentioned. I mentioned uh, uh, moments ago, Daniel Jones, and uh, this is unfortunately for me going to be the trend of uh, Matt and Dennis, probably into the winter, uh, is the hashtag Tank for Trevor uh, thing and Daniel Jones' performance, for better or worse. Daniel Jones again, 
which is something that we're coming accustomed to, uh, turns the ball over in a fumble. Um, I don't think it's all his fault. Obviously, you and Ellis are going to say it's his fault. Um, but Andrew Thomas, who was our first-round pick, has been next to awful. Um, well, that checks out with the rest of the Giants draft picks the last couple of years. Typically, yes. Um, and Daniel Jones doesn't see anything coming from him, and I don't blame him um, 100% for that fumble. But also, it just shows that Daniel Jones, like blind or deaf, has no idea what's behind him, has no pocket presence, uh, no quarterback. It's a little disturbing. No quarterback is going to hold on to that ball in that situation. But I need better pocket presence from Daniel Jones. This is becoming a massive problem. He is getting to historical levels for turnovers, whether it be fumbles or interceptions. I'm, I'm, you know me. I am, I am more so than you. You and I have both been on the Daniel Jones bandwagon. Obviously, you've jumped off in, in, in recent times. I'm not off. I just know there's better out there. I am more, I am more hesitant to do so. I'm because, hanging on. I got a foot hanging out like I'm riding a Jeep with the doors pulled off. But I also think we have bigger fish to fry than our, our quarterback situation. And it looks like the Chargers were short of a first down. It looks like the Saints just won. Um, but it, it, it's becoming increasingly tougher to defend Daniel Jones um, being like an elite quarterback that the Giants would need or the star quarterback, and I, I, I'm still sticking to my thought process that this team offensively is so bad, so unknown, so mysterious, for lack of a better adjective, that no one would succeed, whether it was Trevor Lawrence or Jesus Christ himself. So JC, big name drop. But Daniel Jones needs to do better. He, he is – Elite quarterbacks will improve your team and make your team better. And while I think if Trevor Lawrence was in here right now, I don't think he'd be able to do much more. Daniel Jones is the quarterback. He's in New York. He's, he's got to do something better. He's got to show me something better. Look, this is why I've brought up the tank for Trevor. And, yes, I'm still very mad that the Internet has taken it away and other fan bases are using it. I really thought it was going to be a Matt and Dennis staple and – Sadly, I was wrong. The internet caught wind, and now it's almost like I'm just following the trendy people, and I wasn't the trender or the trendy. I don't know. Either way. Look, this is what I'm saying, though. In Daniel Jones's issues that I'm beginning to get fed up with, and I know it's only year two, so give the kid some time to grow. He wasn't projected as a first-round pick anyway, especially a top-ten pick but he had the makings of what could be an NFL quarterback. He just needs guys around him. Maybe he needs better play calling. I will say to your point on the fumble after that, and Tony Romo pointed it out in the broadcast, he had a scramble where he was holding the ball with both hands as if it was a Fabergé egg. Like I cannot let this thing come from my hands. He needs to do that more rather than running with it as if he's going to start pump biking and trying to throw. Because again, like you say, he has no pocket presence. He doesn't know if there are people behind him and if you're doing this, holding the ball with two hands as opposed to just running with it, it's a little harder for defenders to come in, swat it away, and 
cause a fumble. So I did like that. I did like seeing that, you know, through the game, just learning from the mistake. But yeah, there are there are serious pocket presence. Oh, oh, he has a serious pocket presence awareness problem. He has a turnover problem. He, he decision making too. He had throws where he's throwing into tight windows where he doesn't need to be throwing in tight windows. And it well, Dennis, if I could jump in, I, I will say one thing. I'm just wondering where the growth is because there's just we just can't seem to pinpoint one thing he's gotten really better at. And we kind of thought maybe the turnovers were going to be fixed, but we're five weeks in and obviously they haven't been. And I think that's that's where the difference between you and I lies because I think I I think you expect more from Daniel Jones to, to improve the entire team. Me, I think I'm like this offense is so bad that no one would succeed in it. And that having been said, Daniel Jones as as bad of his turnover problem and as bad of of his pocket presence uh as he has, we compare him obviously to Eli Manning. And Eli Manning had a pretty decent pocket presence. Uh, didn't really have – he had an interception problem for a while, but didn't really have a massive fumble, fumbling problem. But also, Eli Manning didn't go a foot out of the pocket. Daniel Jones, and this is something I admire about him, and if someone on that coaching staff could help him fix it, which we don't seem to be ha- – don't seem to be seeing, unfortunately – but Daniel Jones extends plays. And if he doesn't extend plays, he's looking to extend plays. He's looking to run the ball. He, I think, acknowledges that his O-line is terrible. And he's literally running for his life. And this is not me defending him. I'm just saying this is something that is, as a Giants fan, refreshing to see. Because if Eli didn't have a running game or an O-line, and DJ's, or, or excuse me, Eli's receivers weren't open, if if someone was coming for Eli, Eli was either taking the sack or he was flopping down on his own accord. Eli was not running more than five feet away from where he had originally hiked the ball. And that is something that is refreshing to see from, from Daniel Jones, and that's it, it's nice to see. But that same thing is also causing many, many problems. So it's... Yeah, and look, I just – I understand where you're coming from. And as Giant fans, yes, it's nice to see. I mean, it was amazing last year. Watching him scramble out of the pocket and extend plays were like, we haven't seen this in over a decade. The issue is that that is now the standard in the NFL. So I'm not just impressed that he's able to shake off a defender, roll out, make guys miss. He's able to run for 10 yards and not look like a little toddler who just learned to run. Sorry, Eli. That's what you look like. But in his on, if I could slide, he doesn't just roll on the ground and possibly play could, like Eli did. Dennis, but but that was the standard halfway, arguably halfway through Eli's career. I understand that, and that was part of the Giants' problem. in In that time period, we're watching guys like Aaron Rodgers come up and are able to extend plays, able to move around in the pocket. And now, if you look at the thirty-two teams in the NFL it's very hard to find a team that doesn't have a guy who at least can bounce around and has enough speed where they can scurry off and get a first down for a 10, 12 yard run. 
Every team has somebody like that. Maybe Big Ben is the one guy you, but again, he's probably one of the hardest quarterbacks to sack and has been his entire career. And that's how he extends plays. He may not be the quickest, but he's big enough and he's agile enough where he can extend plays that way. And also the dude's almost 40. So give him a break. Other than that, I mean, maybe Minnesota and Indy right now, maybe those are the only two teams. And that's just because Indy is in a transition where they have an older quarterback and Philip Rivers who never ran to begin with anyway. And Kirk Cousins doesn't really run that much, but he can. But I just, that's why I'm not, I'm not looking at Daniel Jones extending plays being like, oh, there's a breath of, breath of fresh air here. This is what the Giants have needed. It's just, that's the standard. It's been the standard for the last couple of years. And with guys like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and although Patrick Mahomes doesn't do it as much, he can. It's only getting more and more so, and that's what Josh Allen, we're going to see it when Justin Fields comes in the league next year. If it holds true where Carson Wentz is one of those bigger receiver or receivers, quarterbacks that can run, they drafted a guy in Jalen Hurts that is on par with a Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson running. And we're seeing more and more often. So that, that's the trend, and it's only getting to get quarterbacks more and more athletic and can move around. So when Daniel Jones does those things, I just look at him as, all right, he's actually going to get to throw the ball downfield. The, the issue is that there's so much pressure that he's not going down on that first hit, which is now causing him to fumble it because now he's escaping for his life and either running into another defender who's already there because the offensive line's awful, or he's forcing the ball downfield, or he's just taking off seconds off the clock by throwing it out of bounds because when he does finally escape, he looks downfield and sees blue jerseys covered by – white jerseys or vice versa, whoever we're playing, whatever field we're playing. So I just, I don't know. There's just, I can't, I don't have a positive to take away for Daniel Jones right now. That is my only reasoning for the tank for Trevor, because I do believe that Trevor Lawrence is that much better of a quarterback. I'm not saying the Giants would be good. Maybe it translates to one, two more wins tops on a season, but his skill level is way better than Daniel Jones's is. And I think we would be able to take positives right now from what a Trevor Lawrence would be doing in this offense, as Dennis, opposed to what Daniel Jones is doing. Dennis, I will say I'm this. I'm not trying to knock Daniel Jones, just saying that's how good a guy like Trevor Lawrence is. I will say the same three points I say all the time. One, I don't think any quarterback, whether it be Daniel Jones or Trevor Lawrence, is going to be successful with this Giants offense. Two, I will never root for my team to actively tank because I wait too long year round for this team. I've been waiting. Our, our last big year was uh, in your dad's living room when uh, I promised I would, if the Giants made the Super Bowl, I'd go back to Connecticut so we could watch the game together. I'd argue our last big year was the boat trip. We want to forget about that year, but that no, was the last, year. like that, that feel good, like the Giants, like were the creme de la creme. Yeah, that was a Super Bowl. <laughs> So it would be. No, that's what I'm saying. It was nearly 10 years ago. And I was at your uh, dad's place in the living room. And uh, um, the cervezas were flowing. Oh, they were, the cervezas the were flowing plenty, but I would never root for my team uh, to actively tank. I, I, I wait way too long, year in, year out. I've been watching this garbage for 10 years now. 
and I, I don't take for granted Giants fans that waited a lot, you know, a lot longer to win and fans here in Michigan where I'm recording this from that are Lions fans, that's not lost on me, um, that we've had it pretty good. But um, I would not ever actively root um, – or root for my team to actively tank. And um, uh, I forget what my uh, – oh, no. Uh, and my last point was I still think – and I don't think. I know this for a fact. The Jets are significantly worse than the Giants. And I still don't think the Giants get that first. Even if the Giants actively decided to tank. And I guess I'll throw in a fourth bonus point here. Um, <laughs> please fire Dave Gettleman. And I know we won't, at least until the end of the year. But please fire Dave Gettleman right now. And that is what I will leave that on. Dennis, uh, unless you have anything to add about the Giants, I'll give you a moment to do so. I just want to say, um, you're very confident in your picks, and you were uh, all the disagreements. I think you're wrong on every single one of them. I could be wrong, but let's uh, Giants Cowboys. You had the Giants. I had the Cowboys. So you're wrong. Uh, Browns Colts. You had the Colts. I had the Browns. You're wrong. Um, uh, what other ones were? Uh, Carolina Atlanta. Uh, you had uh, Atlanta. I had Carolina. You were wrong. Jacksonville Houston. You had Jacksonville, I Houston, you're wrong. And uh, I think your uh, season may be over right there. Yeah, the only uh, win I got was the Cardinals, which, of course, you weren't picking against them. And obviously, neither of us get a point for the New England-Denver game because the game didn't take place. Uh, yeah, uh, and we'll get into it more on Thursday when we go through this week's picks. But I put my faith in a Jacksonville team that did not show up and come to play. And they are now the first team in history to go on a three-game losing streak in which all three teams they have lost to were winless while they were playing them. And for the second – Think about that. Think and, about that. And That's for the, pathetic. And for the Doug second, Marone needs to be fired. I don't know why he hasn't been fired yet. He needs to be with Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn? The Atlanta Falcons? At home? To the Carolina Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater and Mike freaking Davis? Are you kidding me? And Robbie Anderson? Robbie Anderson. Hey, hey, who couldn't hey. do diddly with the Jets, who was nothing but a deep threat. He goes into Carolina with Teddy Bridgewater, and all of a sudden the guy's a PPR monster. That's points per reception out there for all the people who aren't aware. And Dennis, he just gets Dennis. smoked again. Dennis. Again. Dennis, no, put Julio. I get it. Todd Gurley put up 120 on the ground. Robert Gage, where was he? Calvin Ridley finally got his targets, finally got his looks. What is wrong with the Atlanta Falcons? I feel so bad for that fan base because you talk about talent. They have talent. And that team is pitiful, pitiful. Third one, Cleveland, maybe you're a little bit better than I thought, four and one. And I think it might be a fluky four and one. Maybe you're a little bit better. I have always liked Baker Mayfield because I just love the swag that he has. Also, he has two of the best commercials in the game right now with the Hulu Live Sports and the Progressive, where he basically lives there. Those, Those top-notch commercials. I love Those. Baker Mayfield. But, geez, Philip Rivers, I said it on Thursday when we recorded. Multiple times the 60 Minutes ads were coming up, except on the West Coast. And Philip Rivers throwing ducks over the middle that were incomplete. 
throwing interceptions, getting sacked in his own end zone for a safety to make it a nine-point game. Are you kidding me? The, the, right then and there. Colts, I don't care if the Colts were 3-1 and one coming into the game. And maybe, maybe I pick against them if I knew Darius Leonard wasn't going to play because that's a major factor for the Colts' defense, a defense that's played really well this year. You look like crap giving up 32 points to the Browns. Colts, I'm off the bandwagon. It's burning out in the street right now. Atlanta, I was never on a bandwagon. You guys are screwed. You might be in a worse off spot than the Giants. Maybe not the Jets because the Jets are pitiful. But good Lord, you might be in a worse off spot. And the Jags, forget it. Gardner Minshew, done. I'm done believing in you guys. Not with that receiving core. I know DJ Shark got taken out late. It was still late. James Robertson just losing the ball behind the line of scrimmage with his, like, no, get out of here. You lost to Brandon Cooks, who's barely been irrelevant in the last couple of years, okay? Done. Dennis, I will say, just to jump in. Thank you for giving Matt yet another pick em win two years in a row. One week, it all goes down to two. Two years in a row, five weeks in, chances are I will probably win because Dennis is going to start getting very uh, aggressive and pick some picks that he knows are wrong. Oh, uh, we're going off the rails now. Um, you thought this week was a good one, picking like in between matchups? You wait. But I will also say, Dennis, I agree with you. Those Baker Mayfield progressive commercials are hilarious. I The one where he's like, oh, my God, it's going to rain. We got to cover up the – like that's absolutely- – Come on, it'll be quicker with two people. <laughs> Well now, and now there's the one Are with. You the talking book. about the stands? Yeah, now there's now he has the one the with book club. The, the grocery one's not that great, but the the book club one is is pretty funny. And no, he's Baker Mayfield. I, I I'm not a huge fan, but he's I, I love the the progressive Cleveland Browns uh, commercials. Anywho, Dennis, his back against his back is against the wall once again because. Our first week, we've agreed on pretty much everything. Uh, and the only time we really disagreed, the game ended in a tie mm-hmm. until this week where every disagreement we had uh, fell into the lap of yours truly. So, Dennis, uh, I believe you're behind like four games now. Um, and one week, how much everything has changed. But who knows? Um Really quick, talking about the Giants, and we will go back into this, obviously, at the end of the week. But the Giants take on the Washington football team this coming Sunday at 1 o'clock. We got another episode of Matt and Dennis before then. Dennis, any really quick thoughts on that? No. All right. I mean, well, just on the Giants-Washington yeah. game? I think, I think, and I said, I said to, to our, our Giants inner circle, and we're obviously going to talk about this uh, in a few days on the next episode of Matt and Dennis, but uh, I, I said that the Cowboys game was going to be a loss, and I said that this – Washington game would be our best chance at a win. I would agree, but I don't know what to make of this Washington football team. And we'll get into it on Thursday because this is a team that was dead to rights against Philly and then beat Philly. We don't know how good Philly is. And Philly came back against what is presumably a very good Steeler team. They didn't win. They didn't come back. Steelers were on a bye basically because of the COVID game that got canceled. So on, and then they could just get beat up against the Rams, who I think, I, I think this Rams team is very good. But I'll tell you what, I'm more, more worried now that, and again, Alex Smith taking snaps in the NFL again. Truly, truly remarkable what that dude endured in the last two and a half years or whatever it was. Literally almost died. 
Yeah, could have died from the infections. That E60 was gruesome. It was incredible to watch. Great job by those folks at ESPN that made that little documentary thing. But I'll tell you what, I'd be more confident against this Washington team if Dwayne Haskins or Kyle Allen was playing. Now that probably Alex Smith is under the hem, we're going to be dinking Duncan all over the place. And I'm very worried. I'm very worried. Well, and with Daniel Jones having no pocket presence, the Washington team does not have that bad of a pass rush. Well, and uh, if Chase Young gets his booty into the backfield a bunch of times, God help Giants Twitter. That's all I'm saying. Well, uh, Matt and Dennis, we will cover that uh, on the back half of the week. Um, so look out for that. We will go more in depth on um, how the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs are uh, continuing. We will go. Raise one, by the way. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, five okay. one. I don't know if you updated the people. Uh, oh, and just seeing now, um, I think I knew this this afternoon, but Hall of Fame uh, baseball player Joe Morgan and former ESPN baseball Yeah, that was sad. Uh, One of the best Sunday night baseball crews ever. Yeah. No, he, and then uh, John Miller? Jim Miller? I think it's John Miller. John Miller. He does games for the Giants. The oh, Joe Giants Miller. Show. Joe Miller? Who is Jim Miller? Uh, regardless. No, I don't uh, know. It's Miller. A fantastic uh, player for – Cincinnati and fantastic commentator. So our thoughts are uh, with him and his, his family. Rest in peace. Um, Sad for baseball, by the way, last month losing some serious legends. Yeah. No, Morgan, Whitey Ford, Tom Seaver, and there was one more. Yep. Big one. Um, either way. But we will uh, move forward. We will uh, Giants, uh, Redskins will have a preview, or excuse me, Giants, Washington. How dare you? I know, Giants-Washington football team. We will have a preview. The numbers are on our helmets, for God's sake. And uh, the rest of the week six action. Let's respect. That. Let's hope that we actually get some games played and no more cancellations. We will hope for the best. We'll uh, continue with um, how uh, Major League Baseball uh, progresses. And then, um, as we always do, we'll uh, recap our next episode with our picks and uh, – does Dennis play it safe? Does he try to keep it with a four-pick lead, or does he get crazy and then we have a – You know I don't play it safe. Dennis, I'm about to put a bow on this one. Uh, anything Hold else? Up, baby. I will also say, and you're saying hopefully no postponements, and I'll say this really quickly. Look, I know we're in terrible times and we're amidst a pandemic and everything, but people, we're getting football this week on a Sunday, on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Thursday. If you're a degenerate, college football on a Friday – college football Saturday, and then, and then the NFL again on Sunday. So, I mean, come on. Didn't even think Great about it. time that. to be alive. We got to get more into football, college football, because we missed a bunch of upsets this past weekend. But we'll, we'll – here, we'll, we'll try to do better uh, on the next episode of Matt and Dennis this weekend. Dennis, you good? Yeah. All right. For my dear friend, Dennis Fency, I am Matt Scarano. You've been listening to Matt and Dennis. We will talk to you in the rest of the week or on the back end of the week. Have a good week. We will talk to you later. Adios. Adios. Adios.